1: Hello and welcome to episode 170 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. When I look back on my life and what albums had an immediate impact on me from the 90s, one jumps out that I never felt got their due. The band was MIJ and the singer of that band, Jeff Hansen. Jeff tragically died in 2009 and left a wealth of material. From three solo albums on Kill Rock Stars to an album and EP on the legendary Caulfield Records. I wanted to find a couple folks to talk about Jeff and his life, stories, and legacy. Speaking about Jeff on this episode is Bob Nana from Braid, Hey Mercedes, and many other bands. Plus, later on, Bernie McGinn, who put out the full length the Radio Goodnight and worked and founded Caulfield Records. They speak eloquently about Jeff, and you'll find out more about his music, but also his humor. If this perks your interest, I've linked a bunch of articles and content on washedupemo.com to continue your dive into Jeff's music. You can also go to jeffhansen.net. This is by no means a complete history, and I urge you to dig into Jeff and his life to learn more. As you're dig, you'll find the love from the usual cast of characters, like Pitchfork and NPR. I'd like to read a passage from Stephen Thompson via NPR who wrote about Jeff in 2009 after his passing at 31 and worthy of reading again. We lost so many musicians in 2009, from the iconic likes of Michael Jackson to the prolifically brilliant Vic Chestnut, whose suicide darkened Christmas Day. Far fewer people noted the passing of 31-year-old singer, guitarist, and songwriter Jeff Hansen, whose music seemed almost otherworldly. With his soft, high, delicate voice, Hansen sounded a little bit like a female Elliott Smith, with all the fragility, preciousness, and grace that description suggests. Hansen's senseless death, the result of an apparent drug overdose on June 5th, lends his music even more of a ghostly ache than it had already, which is saying a lot. He leaves behind three solo albums, each of which unfolds with more promise than the one before it. Jeff Hansen will never get to realize that potential, but his voice is forever etched into delicate records, that bear his name thank you to all the patreon supporters out there if you want to make this podcast easier to produce head on over to patreon.com slash up emo to support this is the washed up emo podcast episode 170 with a tribute to jeff hansen from mij first up bob nana and then later on bernie mcginn hope you enjoy
2: You know, Mij, um, is, they've been around forever. I mean, when it's like Friction, I was I saw Friction played with them in '94 with Avail. It was Avail, Mij, and Friction and Madison. And I think I that's when I first met Jeff. But I really, truly got to know him because I went on the tour with them in 2005. Obviously, where most most of my material <laughs> is going to come from. Uh, Braid did a cover, a Jeff Hansen cover on the closer to close DP because of the nature of his solo music being what it is like delicate. I mean, that's like maybe the best description for it. Like then he's on kill rock stars. So there's clearly like Elliot Smith uh, comparison there,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but it's just, I, I, it, you really don't get just how the humor, like how funny he was. And like, just, <laughs> like uh, an like, I would feel like a joy to hang out with, but just like sometimes you would uh, double over on laughter because he was he was just hilarious and just a filthy filthy mouth. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, definitely played with Mij. So that was when I first met Jeff, and then they played with Braid a few times. Then when Hey Mercedes, like fast forward a long time when Hey Mercedes, uh, uh, wait. After Mij kind of broke up, he moved to Minneapolis. I believe actually, St. Paul is actually where he was living. And then he moved in with Todd Bell's now wife. Like they they weren't like together; they were just roommates. I'm not sure how they knew each other, but they were yeah, they were just roommates. And so, when before Todd and Katie started. Well, maybe it was when they started dating, like we would when we were in Minneapolis, we would hang out with him. But then when he Mercedes was recording Loses Control in Boston, and that must have been like two thousand I could actually look it up or but I mean, like yeah, two thousand he was coming through town because he'd done, he started doing the solo stuff and he was on tour with the Decemberists. And so we, we took the night off and went to see him play uh, at the Middle East. And yeah, then it was awesome hanging out with him. He actually stayed. We, we rented an apartment for the whole time we were recording. It was his control, so he came and stayed with us uh, that night. And then so around that time, I got more familiar with his music. And then when I was, you know, in, this was in 2004, uh, Braid did the, the tour, and then after that, I did just a bunch of solo tours, I went to Europe with Owen, and then I did the U.S. with, well, this basically just the south uh, east with Jeff. And it was, and, and it was during Hurricane Katrina. Like, it was, yeah, we got caught, um, we got caught basi- basically in the exodus from New Orleans. What should people know about him that maybe
1: that maybe uh, maybe if they did know the band back then, or didn't like what what things
2: it, was it? His humor, yeah, just how fun and funny he was, it, and at, especially as like a counterpoint to his his music being like I said, very delicate. He as a personality, he's not he was not delicate. He would say exactly what he meant. He was not afraid to you know get into debates about politics or music. And I uh, and would just say funny, <laughs> you know, ha- have really funny insights into the world, <laughs> basically. And also into the world that he was sort of operating within, like uh, the sort of singer-songwriter genre.
1: I was yeah. thinking, too, he kind of, you know, again, having M.I.J., Caulfield, like that world, and then being able to jump out of that and be on Kill Rock Stars, to be able to make mm-hmm. that leap was was pretty fascinating at definitely. that point too.
2: Yeah, that I I don't. I'm not sure he. I mean, I think it was literally he sent demo. He sent a yeah. demo to them. So it, it, yeah, it's surprising. It's definitely not something that really happens a lot. I mean, I mean, Mij when they started were a little more punk, a little more hardcore, and then like towards the end they were. Div- they were um, developing more of a promise ring-esque vibe to their music, um, like a little more poppiness. But um, yeah, I just, you know, it's weird. It's like how how many times has a singer or whatever, a guitar player from a band said, oh, now I'm doing solo stuff. And you're like, oh, cool. And you think you're like, no, that's, you know, whatever. It's going to be what it is or like have like preconceived notions of, of what it is and where it's going to go and how serious it's going to be. And then <laughs> I'm like, Oh, he's gonna He's on kill rock stars. Wow. Like, wow. That's amazing. And like, yeah, this it is pretty serious. And it's really good too. Like, you know, at that point in time, I, I probably didn't before I heard that I probably might, I might not even listen to it, not on purpose, but just been like having other things to do or listen to.
1: Right. I I felt like that sometimes with records where they, an artist would go on and do something else, and you were sort of into what that was before, and then a few years Mm -hmm. later you'd go back and be like,
2: "Well, I'm an idiot. (laughs) I should have been listening to this." (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It it takes. I mean, it it probably what for me it takes um, a a trusted, you know, friend to say, "Hey, go back (laughs) and listen to this." And or maybe and maybe even give me a few things to listen for, you know. Especially it's something that like oh I've heard this a lot and it just didn't stand out to me or in in, in a, any particular way. I mean that's definitely happened um, to me, and I can't think of any examples of, of somebody that's happened to me. But it's I've de- I've helped people get into like Jawbox, for instance, who are like oh, I know you love. This type of music, you love this music, and I know you're going to like the band. Will you please, please give them another chance? And like, eventually, <laughs> they're
4: like, yeah, it's good. It's really. Well, that
1: I, what's interesting. Uh, I thought was when I I don't think I heard the EP Mij ninety nine, but I definitely had Radio Goodnight. And it came mm-hmm. to the, and it came to the college radio station. I'm sure it was like an AAM Sunday service or something. And I just remember, mm-hmm. I actually remember getting it, and I remember staring at it and
3: hmm.
1: putting it on, and and just kind of being blown away and being mm-hmm. like, "Well, this is now mine. <laughs> like, you know, like this right. CD is definitely walking home with me. Um, yeah, this isn't going into the archives." And I think that it was a. Uh, that time period or that time to be able to give that record a shot, um, and um, I don't know. It just I it was a, it was a cool feeling, and
2: I think that record's yeah. still in
1: my collection. Still, I still have it. Um, yeah. I to wonder this day. if
2: it's easy. Is it online? Is it like in on Spotify and stuff? Oh, just you know, curious?
1: I didn't check because I just I, I have I, my I, iTunes, and I just always forget to like.
2: I'm sure it is. Yeah. And if it's not, no, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm just assuming. it came a really some really small oh wait, Caulfield did it yeah
1: oh then it's totally up because this and thing's on Amazon there. yeah
2: yeah
1: I think it's the other stuff that isn't or people are yelling at us right now um, yeah but yeah I feel well, like
2: say, uh, yeah, yeah I mean uh, yes and I'll uh, one thing I'll, I'll say is that I'm not as familiar with MIJ's music as I am with his solo music which like I, thought, I don't remember that much of the right. of, of their recorded output, but I, I th- remember them playing
1: yeah, I think too for for you having those experiences with him um and and he, you know hearing him in that in that regard the like this this solo tours and things um mm-hmm. were there anybody was there anybody like screaming out m i j songs probably not right
2: no <laughs> no, and i mean there were you know you know if you know i'm assuming you you want to do like a Jeff Hansen episode like for the MIJ stuff probably bernie is the person to talk to right or somebody from wisconsin
1: yeah yeah no i, I was i was uh, thinking bernie for sure but i think just for him itself uh like you said yeah. making that transition doing
2: the doing the solo stuff um or, yeah.
1: and, and and you We're having there. time with him
2: yeah there was i mean yeah no one was no one was there because of MIJ like in Atlanta, for instance, we were. It was at a place in Marietta, Georgia, outside of Atlanta, and we were sitting in the car, probably drinking beer, <laughs> like wait, like waiting for our turn to come play. And it was like kind of a weird vibe. And we had seen this like family there, like a clearly of two, two a man and a woman and a child. And I remember we were sitting in the car, just being like get this fucking kid to bed. Like it is late. What is this kid doing up? And the show is in like a strip mall sort of thing. So it was not clear to us that they were there for the show. Even we were just like, what is this, what is this kid doing up? It's like, whatever, 11 or maybe even later. And it turned out that this family had heard Jeff, Jeff, one of Jeff's songs on NPR and and their son really liked it. And so like he ended up, they, they ended up like, right up front for jeff and to talk to jeff a little bit beforehand so he went and made sure to relearn the song that they heard because it wasn't one that he was playing and uh yeah it was just like yeah i mean there were just people hearing him that just you know because his solo stuff is completely different <laughs> than mij yeah <laughs>
1: Did you th- yeah. think when you were playing shows with him and friends that, that like, were there not is like, I feel like this missed me. Like even oh, yeah. when I was at labels and stuff, like I don't even think I realized maybe I wasn't paying attention to kill rock stars because I was okay. at a hardcore label, but I, I don't remember it. Do you feel that, like you said, the NPR, like, did it get a good push? If just your awareness of it,
2: I think it got a decent amount of push, but yeah, definitely to, very specific audiences that weren't really mine or like Mm -hmm. I wasn't a part of. Um, and also we had played, I think on this tour, I'm not sure exactly who booked it. It might've been Jeff's person. Again, I don't remember who exactly that was, but, uh, we were at this place in Madison where we were, we were playing a show and it was this place called the journey house. And I was like, I never heard of this place. Like, I'm looking, it's like this cafe. I'm like, it's so weird that I've never heard of this. And he's like, well, he's like, here's the deal it's a quote unquote faith based coffee house. And he's like, I did this tour, I believe it was with Dennison Whitmer. But he's like, for some reason now, I get booked into these faith based places and he despised he was so upset about it (laughs) like he did not want to do it he was not into it at all and would like you know wouldn't be afraid to sort of make his opinions known to whomever tried to come and (laughs) talk to him if that was even a thing I don't remember it being a thing or, or whatever but um yeah so that was again I for some reason he at some point got looped into that um you know, that area as well. And like I said, when we, when we were in Boston, he was on tour with the Decemberists. He was opening for the Decemberists. So like, it's just a complete, it was a completely different.
1: I think that was it. Like I must, you know, again, I was oblivious and probably didn't realize, but that was always the thing that you, once you got into, if you were an emo band or a punk band or a hardcore band, like you couldn't get out. And if, and it's almost like he got out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Any other thoughts on, on songs or, or, or from his solo stuff that you think people should listen to yeah. or uh, go back to and check out?
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. The, um, so what, uh, again, I, I actually the So the song that, um, Braid covered is a song called You Are the Everything. It's, I didn't, it wasn't, my choice to cover that one it's not I mean whatever it's good but I just want I really wanted to do this song called um, This Time It Will and that was sort of the single for the record that he was promoting when we went on tour with him and coincidentally that was the song that um, that family had heard on the radio and it, it's a, it's an amazing song and it, it's a really cool video that he did for it too This Time It Will yeah. yep
1: So, you couldn't, so that's the one you didn't do.
2: (laughs) That's the one I wanted to do. How was that meeting? I got outvoted. (laughs) Because Damon really wanted to do um, You Are the Everything. Yeah. And then it was, you know, I feel like it was, that was a a strange time doing that EP because, uh, like, I was going through a real messy breakup at the time and you know jay robbins was in town for a short amount of time so we didn't have a real lot of time to work on it and we were all we were just sort of working in these silos so there was like a song that i wrote and did and then a song that chris did and then we had our jeff jeff hansen cover which we just like learned quickly and then there was one that was sort of like almost a a jam for lack of a better word which i hate and Never do, but um yeah, but I remember uh us coming to the studio one morning, and Jay had gotten there early and put down like a piano track on it, just he didn 't even ask him to. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, I just wanted to play piano on this, And I was like, oh, that's nice <laughs> that's cool man jay's the, Jay is so he's the best i He was at fest, obviously because uh, Jaw box played, and um, he played too. It was awesome. Just great.
1: Anything else for the Jeff thing? I mean, definitely I'll have Bernie do some uh, fill and stuff, and I'm sure he'll But anything else from
2: on the Jeff side? When I say he had, like, a filthy mouth, it wasn't like he was, you know, telling dirty jokes or something, but he just, when he had, um, like, conviction about something, he would say it in a um, really funny, like crude but hilarious way and the one thing i i I can't i'll i'll remember or i i I remember to this day because i i was like dying (laughs) he was up so there's actually three things there's this there's um playing in front of people who are eating and then there i wanted to just mention about when i found out that he died um he was so he thought we were getting screwed out of money from one of the venues. And he was so upset about it. And he was he was like, We use actually there's another thing I want to say, but he was like, We are getting screwed here, Bob. We are getting bent over a Camaro in a Denny's parking lot right now. <laughs> and I was just like,
3: What? What? Like
2: but I mean he's like straight face serious. And I'm just like, Oh my god, wow but um he also loved sports to the extent that you know we were touring in August of 2005 every night when we would get to our hotel we would us- we would usually buy whiskey like a small thing of whiskey and chair whiskey when we were going to sleep and he would put on sports center and he loved, he's like, he's like, this is the best time of the year for sports because, uh, baseball is ending. It's like the playoffs of baseball. Um, there was some other thing that was happening.
1: Like, uh, Basketball starting I, up, I, even, football's yeah, and coming football up. Yeah. Starting,
2: like there's starting to be post, or, um, preseason football. So he was just like, it's just awesome. And he loved, you know, he loved the Green Bay Packers. Um, and, yeah, I just remember him. <laughs> like, I remember us watching, like, SportsCenter, uh, and whatever, the only sport I actually care about is, is football. But, um, you know, I would sit and watch it with him, or whatever, and then just kind of zone out and go to sleep. But I remember watching one night, it was after a Bears preseason game where our quarterback at the time, Rex Grossman, uh broke his ankle in a preseason game, and so they were they were showing this as a um, you know like a highlight on sports center and he because obviously the, the the bears are um pretty intense rivalry with the packers, and so he was Loving it, he was like, "Your season is over." <laughs> like, he was giving me so much shit. I was
1: just like, "Oh God." Anyway, um, you could just you can
2: feel him doing that now, right? You can just feel him just yeah, giving oh, you 100%. shit. Hundred um, percent. We played this place in Gainesville, Florida. Gainesville, uh, a place up the Pontiac. I don't. It, we realized kind of quickly that we were playing some event, but we didn't know that we were, but it was like a dinner thing. And he was just rail. He was so mad before he went on that he was going to have to play for people who were eating. He just was, I don't know. Like he was so like morally opposed to it. And so when he got on stage, he's like, he's like, welcome to Olive Garden. (laughs) Like he just he was just sort of made a made a joke of it, but
0: you I, could tell I,
2: he this, was super angry. Of, yeah, and that's but that's one of the things that like I really took from him. Like I just I, I kind of ran with that too to be like, yeah, you're right. That sucks to have to like play to people that are eating. Like I don't like that at all. He also, you know, how he um, he made sure to play that one song in Atlanta. He changed his set every night for to sort of match the energy of a room, which was pretty cool. Like we played one, most of the shows we were playing were mostly acoustic affairs, but there was a show in um, Greensboro where we played with Anathalo, which is funny. It was Anathalo and some other band. I could, I could go look, but it was Anathalo and a band, basically like kind of like a cr- Christian band's and so he was like "I don't know why <laughs> like again he's like, "Why am I in this you know scene of playing with these no I just put an solo <laughs> these like uh, Christian bands but because we were playing with like bands he his set was like heavy wow like he played like loud loud heavy stuff I don't think he played any MIJ songs but yeah he was able to um, really mix it up and make it you know work for the people like in a way that I Still, kind of don't and can't. I try, but I can't. So he seemed Especially like
1: um, he seemed very present of the moment and could take the energy in, which is that's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I and mean, so even when he was upset about like something, when he was, you know, he was on stage, he was professional. Like he wasn't really. Right. Many um, times. So So when when you, when he
1: passed away, right in 2009.
2: Yeah, I was, I mean, at the time I was working at Threadless and I was also writing, excuse me, writing for uh, this publication that was in the same building as Threadless called you are Chicago. And I was doing show reviews for him and, and, and album reviews as well. But they had, so they would send me to see a lot like whatever a lot of bands. Um and I was seeing Jenny Lewis <clears throat> at the time you know, at the park west here in Chicago and I got a text from Todd or no I he called and then I I said it and it didn't in an answer I was at the at the show and I was you know it wasn't like a crazy loud show it was like I can't sit here and be on the phone. Um and I texted him. I was like, "Hey, I'm at a show. Is it? Is this important?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay." So I got up and I went outside and, yeah. And he told me, um, and yeah, it's. I mean, I don't know if you did much digging or research into what happened. I did. I, I looked into just that. It was they didn't
1: the, the they didn't know if it was an overdose or. Intentionally or
2: uh, unintentionally? Yeah. He does... I mean, he... I I, I see it's it's a little weird. I mean, my gut, from what I know of him, is saying that it would never have been intentional. I mean, I'm not surprised that he was on, like, antidepressants or taking medicine for that. And I'm, I'm not surprised that he was drinking a lot. Um, but I don't, I never found seeing, I guess, you know, I, I, I saw this one slice of him, but I mean, it was a pretty intimate slice. He did. It didn't seem like <clears throat> that was like that. Sh- huge of a, of a problem for him mm-hmm. at the time or like the depression. Um, but that, all that being said, once we, you know, once that tour was over in two thousand five, I really didn't see him that much. In between that tour and and then getting the call from Todd, I mean, he lived in St. Paul, so I don't know what had been going on in in between those that time. Right. Yeah.
1: It's just it, it's um, you know again when there's someone that's not there, you you think about what. What could have been, and um, mm-hmm. what do you what do you think about that with Jeff?
2: Well, I can't help but he would be uh, our our current political situation. He would uh, he should he should he should start a podcast. I mean, he would have started some sort of podcast because he was so outspoken <clears throat> against Bush when we were on our. Tour
3: mm-hmm.
2: like he would bring up politics to like people, um, like the hotel, the person at the hotel who was checking us in, and bring it up. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, oh,
3: fuck, man!
2: He'd bring bring up politics and the woman and whatever in the south or in the south. He was she was just like, well, I like Bush, and he's like, huh? You do? He's like, are you a millionaire? <laughs> She's like, no. Well, then you should, you know, like so he just would love to get into it. So I mean, he would be. Fucking livid right now, obviously. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's I mean, that's everybody. The important part, the important, but also the, the important part is his music. Like I, he, it's so. I loved that he was able to be inventive, but yet still so be so him. Like there's no you could not hear a Jeff Hansen song and think it was anybody else. Like at first, maybe the first time you heard it, you probably thought it was a woman singing, Mm -hmm. but like once you knew his music, but I mean like it's the songs were so different, but it was still him. Like I thought he was just really skilled at not trying to be something that he wasn't, but still making it, it so interesting and unique within what he was so I mean I mean he would have undoubtedly put out more great music for sure
3: I me no um, first met
4: Jeff uh, at the Fireside Bowl in Chicago um, he came up after the show to say, Hey, so uh, I think it was like sideshow, which was my band. Um, I think promise ring boys life, something like that. Some great, crazy show, but, um, he, they were from Minneapolis. Can't remember the deal, but he, anyways, he was there, uh, and said hello and gave me the MIJ, um, the first EP that they recorded. Um, and you know, so just, kind of a casual, Hey, check, check out our band kind of thing. Um, and then we stayed in touch, um, over probably the next year or so. They, I think they, the EP that they gave me was pretty dated. I, as I recall, um, it's been ages since I've listened to it, but, uh, and they had just they, I think they were just getting ready to go into the studio for the, um, first EP, um, that I ended up releasing, on Caulfield.
1: And so what, uh, what was that, uh, correspondence back and forth for the year? Was it a phone? Was it, was it email? Was it
4: letters? No, oh, that's a good question. Um, I, there, I, there were some, it was over the, uh, regular mail. Um, uh, maybe, maybe Jeff was posting on the blabber board as well. That was the means of communication for lots of Caulfield related stuff. Uh, the blabberboard, board, by the way, was, uh, just, just a internet guest book kind of, you know, there's like, leave them, leave a message, you know? right? Hi, I'm from, you know, Tulsa or whatever. And, um, I had just posted, put that thing up on, uh, on the Caulfield records website and people used it as almost like a chat room or like Twitter in a way, uh, which is really kind of hilarious. Um, anyways, uh. No, I was just, um, I was really super psyched to hear the first, uh, or sorry, that second EP uh, that I ended up putting out, um, self-titled because right? yeah, that's right. Um, I just never heard anything like Jeff's voice, <laughs> you know? And I think, I think that's, you know, you just kind of pause and you go wait, you know, what are we listening to here? Right. Um, and, uh, I was just sold immediately. So, um, I was, I was excited that, to put out the initial EP and then even more excited to put out the, uh, the record radio. Good night.
1: Was there any response, uh, you know, press or marketing wise when you were doing those releases, the EP and the full length,
4: you know, not as much as I had hoped, uh, to be honest, Um, and I don't, I don't know whether it just like was music and with Jeff's voice, not, um, fitting into the mold really, you know? Um, yeah, I, I had expected a lot more of it. Um, I think the band, um, it, you know, sure would have helped if they would have, you know, hit the road and been road warriors for a couple tours. Um, you know, you can't, you can't beat that, but, um, I had sort of hoped that just the uniqueness of, of the voice of, of Jeff's voice um, of the great catchy songs. And then I was just uh, listening to it again the other day, um, radio good night. And I don't know. I was always really struck by the, you know, this like Beatles esque sort of quality um, or, or in kind of like, it was hints or kind of a foreshadowing of, of the orchestral pop stuff that he was doing later. Um, I think, uh, so to, to answer your question, I, I guess I, I thought that it was going to do a, a lot more. Um, but it didn't, it wasn't a disappointment by any means, but, um, I, I, just, you know, was super fired up about it and didn't see the same response that you saw from a, a mineral or a Christopher Hunt drive if you haven't listened to the MIJ records uh, or certainly his his solo stuff it's like carve out a good rainy afternoon and just like dive in. Um, I think, I think it's really, really rich. And uh, I don't know, looking back at it now, like way more um, forward thinking or or, or mature songwriting, you know, Um, and just, you know, some really great, in, in both his solo stuff and, and MIJ, really great, you know, pop sensibilities in there, whether it's like the big, you know, power trio stuff with MIJ or, um, some crazy, almost like country tinged orchestral pop thing, uh, in his solo stuff. I was just listening to it in the car today. Um, it's just worth digging into. He was, he was a really creative dude, obviously. Um, swing town pledge is a song. And, um, the other one uh, sometimes in sleep, uh, is this is the kind of the mellow acoustic one that really kind of foreshadowed his, um, his solo stuff. Um, so those are two go-to songs that, you know, I would encourage anybody to throw on a playlist and get acquainted. They just need a, a quick primer.
1: Right. Uh, Did you um, follow his
4: career after?
1: And did you keep in touch during his solo stuff with Kill Rockstar?
4: Um, Luckily, I got to see him at least once here in San Francisco doing his solo stuff. So, yeah, we were able to keep in touch for a little bit. Um, And, uh, again, yeah, him just being up on stage, just doing the solo Jeff thing was kind of a mind mind blower um you know I just again again the the voice and that that falsetto is just so striking, you're like, and in captivating uh you kind of wonder how is that coming from that guy who you know we were just hanging out drinking beers at the bar earlier like it it's just he just helped transport the whole audience somewhere. So they were, they were really special. Um, those solo shows for sure.
1: And then, um, I thought it was interesting that a lot of bands and people from associated with this, uh, the genre or, a, a label, no matter what, but a label or a genre, it's tough to get out of it. And it seemed like he made that jump, um, you know, going from like a, you know, a punk or indie, uh, label to, uh, something like kill rockstar was like a pretty good leap to want to achieve. It'd be like if you were totally. on, you know a hardcore label and then sub pop wanted you. So it seemed yeah. like he made that leap, and not many, not many could do that.
4: Um, yeah, that's that's actually really interesting. I was really um, uh, excited that he was able to, um, you know, level up or you know graduate to. A label that could, you know, even even better um, promote and support his art. Um, so that was that was really cool. And at the time, you, you probably couldn't do better than the the Kill Rock Stars for sure. Um, yeah. So that, you're right. That that doesn't didn't happen a lot in terms of um, people sort of breaking out of their home team, or, or you, you know, um, and. I'm trying to remember that the timeline, um, radio good, night came out 2001. I, I, I think it is it's 2000. Is it 2000? Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. Um, and, uh, didn't the band didn't stick around too much longer after that came out, if I'm memory serves. Um, and then Jeff was just, doing solo stuff. I'm not sure when the first kill rock stars thing came out. I thought it was like 2006 or seven. Um, I could be wrong again on that. But, yeah. I believe um, the record
1: sun came out in 2003.
4: Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was really great to see him like, uh, progress and move forward. I was listening to the the records in, in, in the car today. And, uh, um, I'm, kind of shocked actually that he's not more of a it's not a household name like that more people don't recognize uh his name and um hopefully this little chat can help people uh get inspired to check it out
1: right well that was part of that's it's you you came to my last question and sort of a, a, a philosophy around this as well is that you know he did have an untimely death 10 years ago this this summers so in in the summer of 2009 and i think there are ways that people keep people keep things alive and keep music alive and it's harder and you know it's the Kill Rock Stars is one or or whatever label and if they're not constantly maybe pushing it out or adding it to playlists or whatever the marketing is at that on that day um, things do get forgotten and things do get left. And maybe the website that they bought uh, for somebody like lapses and they don't pick it up again and that stuff kind of, unless the Wayback Machine gets it, is yeah. is lost. And um, I, I just th- you know, if someone, if there was a label around, um, I mean, I joke about it. Um, I've joked about it with a lot of people, but like the karate record stuff on Southern is not up on streaming. And like, that's ridiculous. Right. And... I even joked about it with Ian Mackay, and he not to name drop, but specifically like he's related to one of the dudes in the band. And I just said, Hey, when you're at Thanksgiving, can you just like mention it again? And he's like, (laughs) no, one's going to care. And it was, you know, no one, no. and, And I thought that brought me back to like, if it's out there, there are people that are going to find it and they're going to do the digging and find out the connections and go to band to band.com and figure yeah. out who's connected. So if it's not there, they're off. And I'm not saying this is totally true for Jeff because his stuff is available, but to continue that story, uh, people keep having to, people need not having people need to like uh, tell someone about him or that music, um, almost as much as it needs to just be sitting on Spotify.
4: Totally. I mean, um, I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, um, uh, we've, we've got access to so much music now. Um, re rediscoveries are, are, are kind of hard. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if it, you know, pops up on your favorite algorithmic playlist or whatever. Maybe that's, that's one way, but I'm, I'm, I, I think it's, um, communities of people, uh, you know, podcasts like yours that, uh, can, you know, shine a little spotlight and, and kind of, uh, kickstart some, some more interest in, in people's music who, who deserve it. Um,
3: so
1: hopefully that happens. Hopefully it does. Uh,
4: yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, just re the rediscovery aspect of, you know, so much good music that's, you know, still not on a streaming service or, um, and, and how do you, how, how do you kickstart that? Um, I don't know, let's find
1: out. That's part of my day job, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to do that all day. But yes, uh there are there are definitely ways to do it, but I think from the the, the DIY or punk sort of ethos, it's um it's even more that friend to friend Connection or hey, I heard this. Check this out um, because you're not going to have the bigger outlets that are going to have this on there. Um, Remember this year, and they're going to have those 15 yeah. bands. It's not. It's not going to be on there. So it's the the mainstream bands, like even this this own genre emo, having a pop era. Like they're only going to those those bands are only going to get mentioned. So to continue yeah. to keep talking about these other ones and the connections, I think is just as important. And I think Jeff's hopefully uh, people take, um, you know, a listen again, Um, being that it was 10 years ago this past summer, were there thoughts um, uh, when, when, when it happened, when he passed away, what did you, did you, you know, Bob Nana told me, you know, uh, Todd from the from Braid called him and, um, you know, told him about it was, do you have a memory of, of, of that and have, have their times been since that you've thought about him?
4: Um yeah, it was just so uh shocking, you know? Like uh obviously cuz he was so young. Um I I honestly don't remember. I feel like it it might have been somebody reaching out on um Facebook at the time. Right. to uh to say something about that. And that's all that like um early days for me for, you know, and for everyone back in 2009 and and just thinking about how now we learn about news and um, things that happen in our communities. Um, So it was a a shocker. Um, I've just periodically, you know, uh, revisited those those records Um, and it's, you know, definitely bittersweet in, in the fact that Jeff's not with us but um, you know i i a, a little like you know damn it these records should have been bigger <laughs> or you know like uh, how how could we have like you know really really made this happen for the band um, you know it it is what it is